All right, well, today we're closing out our Family Circus series, which means this is the fourth and certainly not the last final story of the Weiss Family Circus. And this one takes place last year on Valentine's Day and the entire weekend and week leading up to Valentine's last year. Uh, Jalen was incredibly sick, so we really didn't have any plans for Valentine's Day. This is actually a story about Noble's first Valentine's in public school. So Jalen was really sick, and because she was real sick, I went into super dad mode for the whole day, did drop-off in the morning, and then after school, I had after-school pickup. And I knew it was Valentine's Day, so I asked Noble how school was, asked if she got any Valentine's from anyone, which I already knew. This is kindergarten. Everyone gives everyone a Valentine. She told me, Daddy you know I gave everyone a valentine and I got get valentines from everyone. So I continued asking questions like you do after, after school. I said, was there anything special in class because of Valentine's Day? Did anything crazy happen today with it being Valentine's? And the answer to all of those questions was, nope, nothing crazy today, nothing different today. Okay, so we got home, I work on making dinner, the girls are helping me a little bit as we go on, we eat dinner, and then because there's no better way to spend Valentine's, I get ready to take Noble to soccer practice, which apparently could not be canceled on account of Valentine's Day. And so I'm driving to Noble to soccer practice, and we're talking a little bit, and out of nowhere, she goes, Daddy, I kissed three boys today at school. And I, I, I mean, like, in that moment, I have just all the questions in the world. Like, she told me nothing crazy or out of the ordinary happened. Is this happening every day and she's just not told us about it? Like, I have this insane moment where like, I was a youth pastor for years and the number one thing that I taught parents about the crazy things going on in their kids' lives was when they tell you, don't freak out, keep them talking, be grateful that they told you, even when it's crazy and you don't wanna hear what they have to say, don't freak out, keep them talking. And so I have all of these things going through my head. I have the, what, the insane freak out. And then I have the don't freak out. And then I have the keep them talking. And so I have the moment where I really fast tell myself, don't freak out, keep her talking. So she keeps talking and tells me the names of all three boys. And I ask if she kissed them or if they kissed her. And she tells me they all dared her to kiss them. And I took the names and I you know, took them and I kept them in the back of my head, and they're now on a list of people that I'm watching out for. And I asked her if her teachers saw this happen, and she says they didn't. And then she goes, Daddy, what do you think of all that? And again, I had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of thoughts. I thought, teachers should probably see this if it's happening. Number two, all three of these boys are now on a list, and they are on a list for the rest of their lives. I don't care who they are or how nice they are. They are on my list. Um, but I want her, her to feel like she can talk to me about these things in the future. And I also don't want her kissing a whole lot of boys in kindergarten because I don't want my daughter to have a reputation. You know, like a, she's a pastor's kid. She's, you know, her dad's a pastor. We don't want the pastor's daughter being the, the girl who kisses everybody in kindergarten. Um, I don't want her to have that reputation. I don't want her family to have that reputation. I also don't want her to feel like kissing is wrong or immoral or anything like that. And so I try to gently explain that it's probably not a good idea to be kissing people at school, especially multiple people at school, especially multiple people at school on the same day, because that could be a really good way to spread germs and to get sick, to which she went, oh, that makes sense. Thanks, Dad. And then we parked the car and went to soccer practice where she managed not to kiss anyone. And I count that as a hashtag, Dad win. All right, well, we're in the final installment of Family Circus, and we know Every family feels like a circus sometimes. Like your family, my family, every, every family feels like a circus sometimes. No one wants their family to feel like a circus all of the time. No one wants that out of control feeling. No one wants chaos. No one wants crazy, messy, weird, awkward tension and conflict to be the defining marks of their family life. 
together. And if we don't want those to be the defining marks of our family life together, we need to choose something different and better than normal because normal is chaos. Normal is out of control. Normal normal is conflict. Normal is awkward. Normal is tension. Normal is all of that stuff. So we need to pick something better than normal. And so we are choosing to look to God's plan for our families. And God's plan starts with Jesus as the ringleader of our lives and the ringleader of our families. That healthy family relationships and healthy families flow out of our submission to Jesus as Lord and leader of our lives and our families. And then healthy family relationships flow out of the practice of mutual submission. I put your needs above my own, not because I have to, but because I choose to. And a family where everyone is looking for ways to serve and show care and love and affection is a family where each individual me exists to build a strong and a healthy we. And that's a life-changing dynamic at play in the family. And then last week, we looked at the specific application of looking out for one another, that we would acknowledge the reality that what happens in one generation always gets passed into the next generation, that because of our proximity to one another, the problems of one generation and the blessings, because we deal with those problems, they either get passed on as problems or as blessings, but they always get passed on to the next generation. And we get the opportunity in our generation, as moms and dads, as kids, as grandparents, we get the opportunity in our generation to make sure that what we want to the, the next, that what we pass on to the next generation is the things that we want to pass on to the next generation. That we, whatever we leave on to the next generation, it leaves them better, stronger, healthier, freer, and more at peace than what was handed to us. And today, as we close out the series, I want to take out one more specific application of mutual submission about living beyond me to create a healthy and functional we. And while last week had a lot to do with what we don't want to see and what we don't want to pass on, what we don't want to continue, and what we don't want to be true in our family moving forward, today is going to really flow out of the end of last week, the blessings that we do want to see, the health we do want to see, the freedom we do want to experience, the peace we do want to pass on and experience in our generation and for generations to come. And so today I want to read this passage of scripture that comes from the book of Proverbs that on the surface, it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with family, but I think it might just have everything to do with building the families that we want um, that don't feel like a circus. So this is Solomon writing in Proverbs. This is very near the end end of Proverbs, the end of the writing of Solomon, where he's unpacking wisdom. He's just throwing out morsel of truth, morsel of truth, morsel of truth, wisdom, 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 wisdom. And he gets to this part in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where he says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now he's speaking as a king, leading a nation, leading God's chosen people, establishing a a kingdom, establishing a palace, establishing a temple for the people of God to worship God in the kingdom of the capital city of the nation of Israel, where God's chosen people can worship God. I mean, like he's he's putting Israel on the international uh, uh, stage. He is he is shining a spotlight because of his strong leadership and what he says about people and their whether they flourish or whether they perish. He says, here's what I know as a king. Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, vision is important. Vision is the lifeblood of people. Vision is the lifeblood of a collective group of people. Solomon says it's so important that without vision, if there is no vision, when vision is lacking, people actually die. That people die for there being a lack of 
a vision in their lives, in their organizations, in their nations, that when there's no picture of what could be and what should be and what will be if we all band together, that without that, people actually die. That vision is like water. And we never realize how important vision actually is until it's missing. But when vision is missing, everyone I mean, again, it may, may not be able to put your finger on and go like, oh man, I think the thing that's really missing in my life is vision. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. But, like, but you feel that. We feel that in a deep way that when we don't know where we're going, when we don't know what we're doing, when we don't know who we're becoming, and we don't know what we're trying to accomplish, our lives feel aimless. They feel pointless. They feel directionless. And when we feel all of those whatever lesses, we feel like our life is less than what it could or should be. See, here's what vision does that's so important when it comes to an organization, when it comes to a church, when it comes to a nation. Clear vision gets people on the same page. And here's what's even more important about that. Clear vision keeps people on the same page. Clear vision gets people on the same page and clear vision keeps people on the same page. And in the context of a nation like Solomon is talking about in this passage of scripture, leading a nation, he's like, you know, when it comes to like, getting people on the same page. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing. We're all putting our collective efforts towards accomplishing one really big thing. We got to get people on the same page and there's no better way to get people on the same page than to cast a clear vision of the future. And then someone's like, you know what? But the temple isn't going to be built in a day and it's not going to be built in a year and it's not going to be built in seven years. And so I got to keep the vision out in front of them so that, they, so that when we're tempted to drift and we're tempted to wander and we're tempted, you know, tempted to go in a whole bunch of different directions and everyone's tempted to complain and kind of feel like we're losing, losing focus, I got to make sure we stay focused on this is what we are doing because we want to worship the Lord our God in our city. And we want to have a place to do that. Clear vision gets people on the same page and clear vision keeps people on the same page. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, you might remember back in January of this year, and if you're part of our church online family, you can go back. You could even watch this on online. But I got up and I cast vision for our church in 2023 to be a place and a people once again, all in, to, committed to creating environments for people to take a first step and a next step of faith and relationship in Jesus Christ, to be a church that unchurched and de-churched people would love to attend and then commit ourselves to not just creating the place, but also bringing and inviting people to join us in the place. And on that day, I actually stood up and I confessed to y'all that for the previous two years, I had not done a good enough job of leading with vision, of keeping the vision front and center for everyone. And I tell you what, I got emotional that week as some of you commented, it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Thanks for making sure we're clear on who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Thank you for painting that picture once again of who we're going to be moving forward. And I also remember feeling the energy in the room the next few weeks when the very next week we had like 15 guests because you all had invited so many guests. And so some of you online, you like our viewership went up like crazy because you had shared so well. And I also remember like, like seeing that and experiencing that as people were coming to know Jesus and taking a first step back towards Jesus or taking a first step for the first time in their lives towards Jesus. And over the course of this year, we have seen waves of guests and people becoming part of our church as y'all have stepped up to live out that vision. Some of you, you're actually part of our church today because someone lived out that vision. Vision gets people on the same page and it keeps people 
on the same page. Now, that's something that I've always known when it comes to leadership and pastoral ministry. I've seen it in some amazing leaders I've had the privilege of working with over the years who were incredible at casting vision and making it clear and making it compelling. This is who we are and this is what we're going to do. I have heard this taught by a ton of pastors and leaders over the years at conferences and in ministry settings, the importance of vision. And then a few years ago at a pastor's conference, the same year that we launched Movement, Pastor Chris Hodges from Birmingham, Alabama, started to talk on the importance of casting vision. And in the middle of that talk, he stopped and he said this, and this just, I mean, this is one of those put your notebook down, except I really wanted to write this down. It was one of those stop in your tracks moments. He said, you know, as pastors, a lot of us are much better at doing this for our congregation than we are for our family, but you need to do this for your family as well. Every family needs a clear and compelling vision. And I hope that you would write that down as well. Every family needs a clear and compelling vision. In the context of family, this is what, this is what I want to talk about today. And this is how we, how we lay aside me for a healthy we. In the context of family, here's what I think Solomon would say. Where there is no vision, families perish. Not just the people of a nation you know, perish without, without vision. Not just the people who work together in an organization or in a church perish without the lack, with, when, when the vision is lacking, when it's not clear, when it's not compelling. But that when a family lacks vision, the people within the family actually perish within the family. And when people are perishing within the family, the family is not far behind. Where there is no vision, families perish. When you have no vision, here's what happens. And some of you, when, when I say here's what happens, I'm about to unpack what's happening in your family right now. And the reason it's happening is because there is no vision for your family within your family. When you have no vision, Everyone is deciding their own, and everyone is moving in their own direction, playing by their own set of rules, living for their own priorities, and it's chaos, and it's confusion, and it's conflict. Those are the hallmarks where there is no vision. Everyone moves in their own direction because we're not moving in a direction together. Everyone plays by their own set of rules because we as a family don't have a set of rules. Everyone has their own priorities because as a family, we don't have a set of priorities. Everyone's, just, everyone's confused about what we're trying to do and that everyone's doing their own thing because we've never decided what it is that we are all about as a family. Each individual is trying to decide to decide and figure out who they are instead of knowing who they are within the context of the family because we've decided as a family who we are. Because eventually, my priorities, and this is why there's so much conflict, why there's so much chaos, why there's so much confusion, where there is no vision, because eventually my priorities collide with your priorities and it's conflict. And eventually my rules don't line up with your rules. And eventually the way I think we should do this comes into conflict with the way that you think we should do this. And what I think is most important rubs up against what you think is most important. And how I want to spend our money comes in conflict with how you want to spend the money. And how I want to discipline the kids comes into conflict with how you want to discipline the kids. And with no clear and compelling vision, that's what family becomes. My colliding with yours, and it's chaos and conflict and confusing in ours. And it's unenjoyable. And the temperature is always a little too hot. This is why families perish. Because it's too hot 
and there's too much pressure, and there's too much conflict, and there's too much confusion, and it's all of that because everyone's doing their own thing, looking out for themselves, because no one has ever decided this is what we're doing together, and this is who we are together. There's no con- there's confusion, there's chaos, and there's conflict because there is no clarity, and there's nothing compelling that we're trying to do together. And a whole lot of that goes away, and a whole lot of the temperature cools down naturally when you have a clear vision of who you want family to be and what you want your family to do. See, here's the thing, and this, this is what I hope you'll decide to to clarify for your family, as you think about what a vision could look like for your family. Some of you are like, I've never thought about this in my entire life. I've never given it one lick of thought. But as you hear me talking today, some of you, you're going, you know what? He's right. That's why there's chaos and that's why there's conflict and that's why there's confusion and that's why like everyone's pulling in their own direction because we've never set a direction for all of us to move together. Here's what, here's what a clear vision for your family should be all about. And here's what it should do. Clear vision for your family creates a shared identity to live from and a preferred future to live toward. Clear vision for your family creates a shared identity to live from and a preferred future to live toward. See, a shared identity, this is our common character. These are our common characteristics. This is who we are. This is what we believe. We're the Weisses. We love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and our mind. We love the local church and we give our lives to build the local church. This is who we are. There's a common character. This is who we are and what we believe. There's also common behavior, how we treat one another and how we interact with our world. So we're Weisses. Our character is we are people who love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and we give our lives to build the local church and common behavior, how we treat one another and how we interact with with the world around us. We want to honor and respect one another. We want to live in a way that's encouraging. We want to live in a way that tells the truth in a way that people don't want to smack us afterwards. Now, that may not be the vision that you have, but like this is who we want to be. We want to be truth tellers and encouragers. We want to be people of respect and people of grace, people of love and people of mercy and people of truth that we decided like this is who we are. And this is how we act towards each other. And this is the common behavior of our family. We treat people with kindness and with with respect. This is who we want to be. Now, this may not be who you are. This This is what's called an aspirational culture within a family, within a business, within an organization, within a nation. This is who we want to be. We may not be there all of the time. We may not be there yet as we write it, but this is how we want to be even if we'll never make it all the way. So we want to be respectful. We want to be truth tellers. We want to be encouragers. We want to be hope-filled. We want to be faithful. We want to be people who live to follow Jesus and love to follow Jesus, even when life makes it difficult to follow Jesus. This is who we are, who we want to be, even if that's not who we are today. It's sharing an, it's, it's a shared identity as a family. And some of you, even as I talk, you're feeling an energy, like if we decide that's who we want to be, like, whoo, there'd be some energy behind that because there's some energy behind coming up with a shared identity for who you want your family to be and what you want your family to be and how you want your family to act towards one another. It also provides a preferred future. In other words, going, well, what are we trying to accomplish together in this season? And what are we trying to accomplish with our lives? Like, what are we trying to accomplish in this season? What are we trying to accomplish with 
our lives for a lifetime. There's a season and there's forever. There's what are we doing in this season? There's what are we doing for the rest of our lives? And this, when, I'm just telling you, when you do this, it provides incredible clarity about who you are, about what you're trying to accomplish. And when you do that, I'm just telling you, it's powerful. It's something that gives direction. It gives clarity. It stops the confusion. It stops the chaos. Now, there's still going to be some chaos because it's family. There's still going to be some, 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 some conflict because it's family and you live together. But, but I'm just telling you, this takes the big stuff off the table. And it says, you know, in the big stuff, we're united. We're together. This is who we want to be. And this is what we want to do. And come hell or high water, that's what we fixed our eyes on. And that's what we fixed our lives on. And that's what we fixed our family on. And as a family, we're going to do that and be that together. And you're thinking, well, how do we do that? Like, how, like so Chris, it kind of sounds like that's yours. Like that's some of what you've laid out. And, 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 and it's true. That's some of what we've laid out, but that doesn't have to be yours. I don't know what yours is going to be. But here's what I do know about, about, about you know, talking about, talking about a compelling vision, talking about a clear vision. When we say this, we're talking about we want to get people on the same page, and we want to keep people on the same page. And to get people on the same page, chances are you're going to need a page. To get people on the same page, you need a page. Okay? As parents, we need a page. Like, we're coming up, like, how, how do we want, like, how do we, who do we want to be as parents to our children? How do we want to treat our children? There's going to be moments where we have to really encourage. There's going to be moments where we have to discipline. How do we want to be and who do we want to be as we discipline our children, as we love our children, as we raise our children, as we raise them toward maturity, as we set a goal that we want to be people who when they no longer have to be around us, they still actually choose and want to be around us when they no longer have to be around us. That's a goal. That's a vision for parenting, okay? So based on that, how do we act? How do we, like, we need this as parents. We need this as married people. As married people, we need this thing where we go, hey, you know what? We're going to parent our children for 20, 22 years before they're all out of the house, where they're going to be in the house, and it's going to seem like all of life is about them. But then there's going to come a day where they're no longer in the house, and we still want to like each other and love each other and want to be around each other when there are no longer the kids to be around in between us. As married people, we need this. As grandparents, we need this. Like, what do I want to be, and what's my role as a grandparent, as family together, as all of us, as the collective Weisses, as the collective whatever your last name is, what do we want to be and who do we want to be and what are we ultimately trying to accomplish with our lives? If you want to get people on the same page, if you want to get your family on the same page, chances are pretty good that you need a page. And the page is simply, you, 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 you take down a page, you say, we are the blanks, put your last name there. And then you say, here's how we want to live. Here's who we want to be. You answer those questions. Who do we want to be? What do we want to accomplish? What do we want to be true of us? What do we want to be known for? And I'm telling you what, if you'll put that down on a page, I mean, it's going to be rough draft at first. It is okay to have a rough draft because you want to know what's true of a rough draft? It's still a page. And if you come together and you put it on the page, chances are it makes it a lot easier to get people on the same page. Even if it's a rough draft, even if it's just a start, you get a page so people can get on the same page. And, and here's what I have loved about this. What I've seen this do in our, in our family, as, as, as we get a sense of who we are, and, and I'm just going to go into a little bit of story mode and a little bit of sharing how this has looked in our family. There's three things 
in our family that naturally we try to let flow out of our vision of who we are, out of our shared identity. And, and I'm mostly going to talk from the, from the idea of a, of a shared identity standpoint. But within the context of our family, there's three major things that we have let kind of flow out of this shared identity and the idea of vision from our family. In our family, encouragement comes from vision. Encouragement comes from vision. And here's what this looks like in our, in our family. Well, you can do anything. You're a person whose family can do anything. Weisses can do whatever we put our minds to. Like we, Weisses can do whatever we put our minds to. And you're a Weiss, so you can do whatever you're, 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 you put your mind to. A couple, a couple months ago, we were um, getting, getting ready to head out to a wedding. And the night before, we were kind of clean. Jalen was outside cleaning up the car. And I was trying to do some packing inside. And our, our older daughter, Noble, she was kind of having one of those nights where you know there was no parental attention and there needed to be parental attention. And I was packing and Jalen was cleaning and no one was really paying all that much attention to Noble. And Noble was having a, a night where she her behavior was not what it should be and not what we think is acceptable within the family. But neither of us had, had time as parents to like stop and slow down and really like do our best, you know, like, hey, we got, you know, like, so we're like, so I, so I'm inside and I go, Hey, Noble, maybe mommy needs help outside. Right. And she gets out and she got outside and no, and Jalen's like, you know, I think daddy needs help inside. And Noble's coming back and forth. And, you know, like, and unfortunately we're not being the, the best of parents at this moment. And she gets inside and she's like, I just can't. And I'm like, Noble, we need you to just kind of behave and sit down and behave yourself because we're busy with a lot of different stuff right now. And Noble had this moment where she just started crying. And she goes, I can't behave. I can't do the right thing. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. And she, like, we were like, whoa. Oh, where is this coming from? I should say, I because again, Jalen's out in the car. This is happening in our living room. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, where is this coming from? And I pulled her in, like, I let her cry a little bit because I'm not one to like jump in in the emotions right away. I know people need to feel their emotions. And so I'm like, hey, I let her cry for a little bit. Hey, you come over here. And I made her stand right in front of me, and I, and, I, and I sat on the couch, and I just looked her dead in the eyes, and I said, Noble Lynn, I need you to know you are a wise, and we can always make wise decisions. You are not stupid. You are my daughter. You are my kid, and you can figure out anything. And in that moment, I mean, I just saw my daughter go from tears, 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 hyperventilating. I'm stupid. I can't do anything right. I can't figure this out. I'm just dumb. I can't do, like, to smile on her face, shoulders lifted up, head lifted up, eyes bright and, and wide as the sky. And I said, look, I know tonight's a challenge and I know you want some more attention and we're busy and I know, like, we want to give you the attention that you need and it's hard right now. But you're a wise, you can do anything. You're a wise, you can make the wise decision. And you are my kid. You will never, ever, ever be stupid to me. You are smart and you are kind and you are strong. And her eyes and her face just lit up and beamed up. And here's what I know happened next. Her behavior didn't really change that much for the night. But I know the very next thing that happened was she walked herself outside and she got in front of Jalen and she said, I'm sorry, mommy, for the way I was behaving. Guess what daddy just told me? He told me I'm his daughter and I'm his kid 
and that I will never, ever, ever be stupid or dumb because I am smart because I'm daddy's kid. I'm just telling you, in that moment, encouragement at a, a moment that I didn't see coming, encouragement came from the shared identity that comes with a vision for your family. The second thing that comes from vision is that in our family, correction comes from vision. I've shared a little bit about this before, but when, when you have a clear and a compelling vision of this is who we are and this is how we treat each other and this is how we act toward the world around us, what, what naturally flows out of that is that when someone is not living up to who we are, we get an opportunity to say, hey, this is the picture of who we are. This is how we treat one another. This is how we interact with the world around us. And right now, you're not living up to who we are, and we need you to join us on this same page of who we are and how we interact with our family. If we, for my daughter Noble, again, we're going to this second Noble story, but Noble, Noble and I, we we often do our do her homework together, and I should I, I'm there with her, working with her to make sure that she does it. I really work hard to not. I mean, she's in kindergarten; she can do the work herself. When I do it, I do really excellent kindergarten work. Anyway, so. Um, what, what happened at, at early on in the year, you know, like kindergartens, kindergartners, they, they don't color very well, right? Like, I mean, that's, you know, and, 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 and Noble is one of those people. She, like, she just wants to get the work done fast and get done with it and get back to what, you know, to playing and doing whatever she wants. And eventually I figured out this, this thought, and this is actually, this is actually where I got the idea for the sec, for the, for the first story of your know, encouragement coming from vision. And in that moment, I was like, we're wises. This is what you do. Here's, here's what, 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 I, what I did after about a month of school. And Noble was, you know, trying to do stuff so fast and just really doing messy, sloppy work. And I, I put my hand over her page one day, and the, before she even got started, I said, "Hey, Noble, I want to let you know, we're Weisses. We don't do sloppy work." And again, she went from like ha, 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 to, hmm, oh yeah, I'm a Weiss. I don't do sloppy work. I do good work, and I'm going to tell you. That day was the best work I had ever seen her do. And now I don't actually, like, after doing that for a couple times, after doing that for about a month and a half, I don't actually have to sit there with her very often. I just remind her and I go, Noble, remember today as you're doing your work, you're a Weiss and Weisses don't do sloppy work. And, she, and she'll go, yeah, daddy, I know. And after a while, I would go, hey, Noble. And she'd go, I know, I'm a Weiss. We don't do sloppy work. And she does such great work. And all of that, it was correction, or some people would use the word discipline, but it was reminding her, this is who we are. This is the type of work that we do. We do quality work. We do good work. We make sure we put our best into whatever that we're doing, because if we're doing it, it matters and if it matters, it deserves our best effort. So correction comes from vision. And some of you are like, like, what does that look like outside of, you know, parent and kid of a, of a five-year-old? Here's what I think that looks like sometimes within a marriage. You know, like your budget, if you have a budget, chances your budget exists because you have some priorities, because you have something that you're trying to accomplish financially. And when you get off budget, we correct back toward what we're trying to accomplish. It's not, hey, you spent this and you spent this and you're the problem. You're like, no, no, no. Hey, together, whatever, whoever, you know, is at fault, we're in it together. So together, we need to come back to the correct way of handling our finances. Does that make sense? This is, this is who we are and this is what we're trying to accomplish. So we bring everything back into alignment of like who we are and what we're trying to accomplish. And here's the third thing that in our family has come from, from vision is that resilience comes from vision. Resilience comes from vision. 
Uh, I've, I've taught this to every, every couple that I have ever done pre-marriage counseling with, and it's this simple phrase, we're blank, we get through stuff together. That resilience is all those moments that you can't control and you wouldn't have chose and you can't change, but they're the difficult, challenging moments of life. And every time I, I take a, a couple through pre-marriage counseling, I always teach them this phrase, we're blank. So for us, it's we're Weisses. We get through stuff like this together. So yeah, we wouldn't have chosen this. And yeah, we don't want this. And yeah, we can't change this. And if we could change it, we would change it, but we can't change it. But we are people who get through stuff like this together. And I'm going to tell you where that came from. This came from when our daughter Marvel, when, when we found out that we were pregnant with her, when we were in the, in, in the early stages of pregnancy, they do that, all that early genetic testing. And um, you know, they drew blood and they did all that kind of stuff for, and did all that for, for, for the, for baby Marvel, who we didn't know was baby Marvel yet at that point. And, and when, when we got the test results, they called and they said, Hey, we just want to let you know, we need you guys to come back in because there's a marking marker indicating that there could potentially be a very severe, um, disability, uh, for your child. And, you know, they gave us the name of what it was and we looked it up, which is a terrible idea. Um, when they said, now, you know, chances are pretty good. It, it's not that, but the protein showed up that, you know, that this is, you know, a, a possibility. And we need to come, you guys to come in, do an ultrasound, do a 3D ultrasound so we know, uh, so we can tell if it's actually there or if it's not. I'm like, okay. And again, they, they said, chances are pretty good. It's not. And we went, she's got it. She's got it for sure. And I remember, again, we, we, like, we looked up what it was and we, we all, I mean, we went down a terrible, terrible rabbit hole of this is what our lives are going to be. And we're getting conversion vans and we're getting ramps and we're going to wheelchair, all of this kind of stuff. And at some point along the way of us, you know, grieving and mourning and thinking the worst and all of that stuff that so naturally happens when you get a potential diagnosis like that. We kind of looked up at each other through our panic and our worry. And, and I simply said to Jalen, look, like we're Weisses. And we're going to get through this together. And, and in that moment, I mean, I, I don't know that I even like fully believed it. But saying it made me believe it. And, and a resilient, now she, she did not end up having the ultrasound confirmed that it was just a, a false you know, positive on the, on the test and all this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you what, for the rest of that week, I walked through that week confident that no matter what that ultrasound showed, we were going to get through it, A, and we we're going to get through it together. Because resilience comes from vision. And when you have a clear vision of who you are as a family, you know that you can get any, through anything if you go through it together. Now, as we close today, here's the thing, you know, Solomon wrote this, that, that where there's no vision, the people perish, and where there's no vision, families perish. What's amazing about so many of Solomon's you know, proverbs is that what he's ultimately trying to say is true if you reverse it. If you reverse the negative, it becomes something positive. If you reverse the negative, it becomes something positive. Proverbs 29, 18, reversed, says this, where there is vision, people flourish. Where there is no vision, people perish. But where there is vision, people flourish. Where there is vision, families 
flourish. And that's what I want for you, your family, like I want for my family. So let's reverse the negative. Let's, let's, instead of being people where we don't have vision because we've never sat down, we've never gotten out a page, we've never put it on paper of who we are, who we are and who we want to be and what we want to accomplish and what we want to do to, together and how we want to treat each other. We've all got our own picture in our mind and that's got to be enough. No, let's get the page out. Let's create a vision for our family because where there is vision, families flourish. So right, so 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 as we as we answer these questions, here's here's the here's what you need on the page. What do you want your family to be? Put that on a paper. You're like, what if mine's different from hers and our kids are different from like they're gonna be different, but there's gonna be a common thread to them. What do you want your family to be? What do you want your family to do? Yeah, what if what if there are okay? Chances are there's gonna be a common thread, and you pull at the common thread. What do you want to accomplish together? It, like if we bring the best of what we have and the best of who we are and we accomplish only one thing, what's that one thing? What do you want your family to accomplish together? And how will you treat each other along the way? With kindness, with respect. We want to honor Jesus and Jesus tells us to honor one another. So we're going to honor one another. We're going to treat each other with love and with respect and with encouragement and truth. We're going to bring all of that because this is how we want to treat each other along the way. And I'm telling you, when you do that, it gets people on the same page it helps to keep people on the same page. So get a page because where there is vision, families flourish. And that's what I want for you because that's what I want for me. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for this word today and this incredibly powerful verse from Solomon. God, I pray today that we would have the wisdom to know what this looks like in the context of our families. And I pray you'd give us the courage to get out a page. And to get, or to get out a note in our phone and to start to write down and start to dream about what our families could be and what they should be and what they will be if we pull all our work and all of our weight together to being who you want us to be and accomplishing what you want us to accomplish together. So God, in our families, in our lives, would you have your way? Would you be the ringleader of our life? And God, we point you as our North Star and we let you set the vision and you set the priorities. And you set the pace. And God, as you do that, I pray that you would also give each of us a clear vision of who you want our family to be and what you want our families to accomplish so that our families no longer become like a circus but become the amazing things, amazing life-giving things that you created us to, them to be from the beginning. We love you, God. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.